Welcome to today's episode of Empowered, a perfectionist guide to imperfection, hosted by me, Miranda Lee. It's time to take back control of our lives, and it's time to write our own story. Remember, you are enough, you are worthy, and you are loved. Let's dive in. Hey, you guys. Today, I have the privilege of talking with soon-to-be registered dietitian, Gabby, and picking her brain and just learning about her journey to becoming a dietitian and her struggles that she's had with an eating disorder in the past. Um, For those of you who do not know what a dietitian is, they are experts in the field of nutrition, and they go through a lot of schooling, um, internships, um, a a giant test at the end to become a registered dietitian. So they are just full of so much knowledge. So I can't wait to talk to Gabby and see what she has to say. Let's get it started. All right. Hi, Gabby. Thank you so much for joining me today. For those who do not know you, um, you know, introduce yourself, tell them what you do. So my name's Gabriella. I go by Gabby. I have gone to school for foods and nutrition. That is what my bachelor's is in. I completed a dietetic internship and it's a step into becoming a registered dietitian. So now that I have completed my internship, I'm taking time to study for the registered dietitian exam so I can get my credentials and I can start practicing in hospitals, in schools, um, pretty much anywhere. That is, I think that is so impressive because like, like I'm a personal trainer and one of the things that we always say is, you know, if you want, like, I can give you nutrition advice, but you need to see, like, a registered dietitian. I just think it's so interesting how we can learn about foods, but we can also learn about, we have also learned about medical nutrition therapy. So what kind of diet should a person with heart disease have? What can they eat? What can they not eat? Why? So there's all these components behind what a registered dietitian has had to learn and how they put that into application. So a registered dietitian can go into any field. They can go into a science background so they can do research. Um, They can work with experimenting new foods. So when you see those like beet chips, um, like at Trader Joe's, you see a bag of beet chips and you think, how do they come up with this? So, you need a degree in foods and nutrition. And then from there, you would go into a more specific field. So if you want to work with the science behind foods, you end up making products like that. Um, so foods and nutrition and becoming a registered dietitian can go into such a broad range of things that we can actually do and work on. So I love this field. I love that there's feels like there's endless possibilities on where I could end up at. Yeah, that's, that's so awesome. So what got you into dietetics? Like what, what sparked your interest? So definitely I used to have an eating disorder in high school and that stemmed from a lot of control for my parents. They would tell me like, oh, you shouldn't be eating this. You shouldn't be eating that. And it's like, well, why not? And once I kind of dug into 
a little bit of fitness and trying to lose weight and my journey through that and having an unhealthy relationship with food just really sparked my interest into, well, what is healthy eating? And, you know, once I dug in even deeper, it just completely made a 360 change or like a 180 change in me and I decided to major in nutrition. I didn't really know what I was doing in the beginning, but once I actually completed, went from community college and transferred to a like a California college, um, I felt like I was in the right place. And every step that I take towards that, every step that I take towards becoming a registered dietitian just feels right. So do you think learning all like the science and just like all the background information about nutrition and, and food and diet, do you think that's what what helped you like recover from your eating disorder is learning those things? So I definitely think that had to do a lot with my recovery. I still think there's times where I still binge on foods. Um, there's like this little voice in my head that's telling me, you know, you can't eat this, you can't eat this. So there's a lot of factors into recovering from an eating disorder. I actually did one of my rotations for my dietetic internship at an eating disorder clinic. And I was actually really nervous to do it because I was in a place where I felt like I could be pretty easily triggered. And I actually found it fascinating. So it has a lot, there's a lot to do with psychological factors for an eating disorder. So I ended up learning, it's more of learning your triggers and food isn't your enemy. Food is what's fueling you. You know, if, if you're fueling your body correctly with nutrients and just foods that make you feel good, sometimes it doesn't have to be healthy food. You know, if you crave a slice of pizza, I consider that soul food. So I'm feeding my soul at that moment that I'm eating a slice of pizza. So just feeling your body has a lot more to do with recovering from any psychological trauma that you may have that's causing an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's one thing a, a lot of people don't understand about eating disorders is it is all psychological. And I mean, it's, it's like an addiction. I don't think it'll ever be something that will go away. It's something that will always be in the back of your head, you know, depending on like how, how far into recovery you are. And it's definitely like an everyday practice that you have to, like that you have to deal with. It's not something that will just go away. Yeah. And it's really hard, especially after so much time of either depending on food or just struggling with eating and even just knowing what to eat, what not to eat. It's a struggle that can take years to recover from. Yeah. I don't think, I don't people under, I don't think people understand like the weight of their words and their comments, like, you know, whether it's parents, family, friends, like even strangers. And especially like when you have an eating disorder, like little comments 
can be so triggering even like with me I know my like I know no one means means bad but even like little comments if like my dad were to say like oh you're gonna eat all of that you know or like a friend saying like oh wow like you were really hungry you know like that stuff is triggering yeah it's triggering and what's funny about that is our hunger levels aren't the same every day it depends on how much physical activity we're doing how active we are how much muscle have how much muscle mass we have in our body like how if we have a fast metabolism we might need to eat a little more because our body's burning more so it's like there's not a oh I should be eating this um you need to be eating a smaller plate if you want to be skinny if you're not eating like that that's why you're not skinny you know there's just so many things that people the if you need to eat a certain amount and you're hungry and people see it as oh you're eating too much you don't know my body. You don't know what's happening here. I need the energy. I need the fuel. That might not be the same for you, depending on their lifestyle. And I feel like that ignorance comes from not being informed and not having the knowledge on how our body works. And, you know, you can't expect everyone to go to school and learn every single thing about how the body works, but you can put little bits and pieces of information out there. Yeah, so true. And I think a lot of the time comments, like they do stem from their own personal insecurities. But you do make a really good point that like every person, like there's, you're not going to have like one person who is exactly like you, like who has your exact muscle mass, your exact metabolism, like your exact daily routine, like everyone is so different. That's why, that's why I have a hard time with like these fad diets, because like it doesn't take in consideration like the person, their individual self, their goals, like their medical history. I think there's just so, like so much. And that's why fitness and nutrition isn't a one size fits all. And that people just really need to learn how to be in tune with their body. Because even like you said, you know, some days you're going to be more hungry and some days you're not. Some days your body needs more fuel and some days your body doesn't. Yes, exactly. And you know, those comments that people make on people's weight and definitely, I think it definitely stems from insecurities, but it can also stem from things in the media, things that are put out there, social media that we feed into daily. We're on our phones daily and we see like Instagram models and we see men that have six packs and that's the standard of what we should look like. And I feel like that's so ingrained into our mind from the moment we start watching TV when we're little, you know, and commercials and just movies and any other sort of media that we're feeding into. And even though it could be people's insecurities, it could also be the media that there's this image that we should all be fitting, but that doesn't fit everyone. It's very unrealistic. And, you know, it's kind of sad, actually, that people don't have the knowledge that that's not how normal bodies work. Yeah, it's, I think we're all just, like, like you said, like, just brainwashed from social media, where I don't even think we notice, like, our biases, and our expectations that we have for ourselves, and for other people, but it's like, no one fits these expectations, even the people that, like, we look at 
in media and social media and like on TV and on Instagram and stuff like most of the time they don't even look like that like they are so posed some of them are probably dehydrated so you can see their abs there can be photoshop like what we see isn't even re- isn't even reality so it's such an unattainable goal exactly but i feel like people think that's how it should be and you know a lot of even though we know those photos are photoshopped we don't want to believe it because we see what we see so mm-hmm. it's a lot of feeding into the media and that's definitely very triggering for a lot of different things you know not just eating disorders but since we're focusing on eating disorders it can definitely be super triggering so I think it's very interesting when I did my eating disorder rotation I did one week in inpatient uh no it was inpatient it was um any patient that has an eating disorder that goes pretty much from the ICU mm-hmm. or just being in the hospital to a step-down facility, um, they kind of stay at these programs. It's They stay at like a house where they live at and they monitor everything they're eating and what they're not eating. And what I found interesting is that they're not allowed to have their phones at all. Wow, because and, of like the media and stuff? Yeah, because of social media, they can't have anyone triggering them outside of their program. So I just feel like it goes to show how much media influences that. Yeah, that is that is so true. And it's just so sad because we all have have access to media and social media and how much we're on it. And I feel like even you and I, like we know that it's like unattainable and not true and we know what it really is like to live a healthy lifestyle and struggles and eating disorder but it still gets to us like you can't you can't just say that you look at it and it doesn't like affect you mentally right regardless of whether you try to block that out from your mind it's something that you're seeing and your brain is processing and you really have no we don't have any control over how our brain processes certain things that we see so regardless of whether we want to see it or not it's processing in our minds yeah so what so what are some things that that helped you you know get toward recovery in your eating disorder and just really focus on like you said whether it's fueling your body or fueling your soul yeah so I think where I started was kind of a compensating mechanism. So instead of actually trying to fix my relationship with food, I would go to the gym for two, three hours every single day. And I could not miss the gym. That was the one thing I couldn't do. And if I missed the gym, I would just feel horrible. And I might even, I would even like end up binging a little more during that day. Um, So I started with overcompensating with exercise, but I realized my eating habits weren't the best for my recovery. So that's when I kind of started getting into just healthy eating and I would obsess over healthy eating. So I couldn't have any junk food. I would restrict myself for a very long time. And then when I would actually have 
any food that I was restricting, if I would have it in front of me, I would actually binge. So I remember I'd actually finished like a whole large pizza by myself because I didn't have it for like three months. So pizza is my weakness, by the way. I love pizza. That's something I can never stop eating. Um, and I actually, so from going from a point where I wasn't eating pizza at all, I was restricting myself and then I would binge on pizza. Now I'm at a point where I could have a slice or two casually, maybe once, twice a week. And I don't feel guilty about it. I don't feel guilty about it because I know that if I do feel guilty about it, I won't be able to enjoy my favorite food. So it's definitely been a very long journey from thinking that these foods are horrible for me. They don't help me recover to going to, well, you know what? Even though I'm not feeding my body nutrients, I can add a side salad and still have the pizza that I love that, you know, isn't feeding it probably isn't feeding my body the best nutrients, but it's feeding my soul. So what I mean by it's feeding my soul is that after I have that pizza, I feel so happy. I feel like somewhere inside, I feel re-energized, like I had something that I love. So that kind of fuels my soul. Like I feel like myself, like Pizza is something Gabby loves, so she's going to have pizza, and that's not going to make her feel bad. So that's what I mean by soul food. Yeah, I, I love that. I That's why I really have a hard time when people say that, like, food is, like, good or bad. Like, oh, it's such a bad food for me, or this, or I'm being good today, because it's like, no, because like you said, like, pizza, like, that's good food for your soul, and it's like what it's something that it makes you happy and it helps you make healthier choices and more nutritious choices when you know that if you want that slice of pizza you can have it so that's why I don't like labeling foods good or bad because I think every food has like a place in your life and you know everything is fine in moderation and food's meant to be enjoyed too like how boring would it be if we didn't let ourselves eat any pizza or ice cream or chocolate like that would just be so boring yeah exactly and going back to how you said food has a very special place in our life where it should be enjoyed and imagine not being able to have your favorite childhood dish because it's labeled as bad and I think it's so important to still be able to maybe incorporate those child your favorite childhood dishes into your life I feel like it brings you back to a time where it was something you enjoyed and brings you food can bring you back to a time where you were full of joy or it was a good moment in your life you know when we when we achieve something we go out to dinner um, we celebrate by having a little dessert. Let's go out for ice cream, you know, and that person that you're sharing ice cream with, that's a beautiful moment, you know, and I, just having that ice cream again can bring you back to that moment. And I just feel like food can be so beautiful besides just being a good or bad 
food. Yeah, and there's so many like good memories that we can associate with, like you said, going out to ice cream to celebrate something or, you know, having that slice of pizza like with your friends. Like, I, yeah, like you said, there's so much more than just nutritional value. But then it like makes me think like when you deprive yourself from something and like, like your example, and you would binge on a whole pizza, at the end of the day, you didn't enjoy that pizza because there was guilt associated with it. But now I think you're at this place and like, I'm at this place too, finally, where we don't have to associate guilt with the foods we love and just, we can have it in moderation and they can be like happy feelings that we feel toward this food instead of, instead of guilt because we felt like it was bad and we couldn't eat it. And then we overindulge. Exactly. Exactly. I love all those points. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, um, they just really have that, that all or nothing mindset. And, you know, people, I think nutrition is represented wrong in the media too. Like we were saying, labeling things good or bad or healthy and unhealthy. And I don't know about you, but I feel like sometimes I have a hard time when I do pick a more quote unquote unhealthy option because I feel like people like I have a reputation, you know, like, you know, I'm that the girl who, you know, power lifts and eats healthy and this and that. And sometimes I feel like I don't want people judging me because I decided to order like some pizza instead of a salad. But, you know, that's something I worked through a lot and I feel like that's something we could, um, you know, like we're in control of and we can empower like, yeah, I mean, you know, look at this lifestyle I live. I live a healthy lifestyle and I, and I still choose pizza sometimes. Right. Right. I feel like, I feel like it's the type of mindset that you have that can prevent you from feeling that way. So if you think that, oh my gosh, all these people are judging me like for having a slice of pizza like maybe I just shouldn't tell people I'm eating a slice of pizza. I keep it to myself. You know, I feel like all of that would bring about feelings of guilt. But if we are spreading awareness that, you know, food isn't bad for you. Food isn't your enemy. Food can actually be your friend. You know, if there's the soul foods and then there's the nutritious foods, you know, it doesn't, there's no difference as long as it is making you feel happy and content with life you know there's I feel like it can definitely be labeled a bad food when it doesn't really sit well on your stomach um, since obviously it's not like a very high fiber food it can be a little harder to digest but it also all depends on a person's digestive system if it sits well with you like go for it you know you should eat it if it fits your calories during the day you're balancing everything else out um, then it's something that might not like make you gain weight if that's something that you're worried about. But regardless, you should still enjoy that slice of pizza no matter what anyone else says because at the end of the day, it's what's making you happy. It's what's fueling you. Exactly. I like to look at food and say like, how is this food serving me? Because I feel like there's certain foods that don't serve you at all like is this food serving me with you know nutritional value or is it serving me like you say like it's a soul food it's something that it feeds my soul 
And I feel like with like binge eating, like let's say you ate that whole pizza and then afterwards, I know me, if I were to eat that whole pizza afterwards, I'd probably, you know, continue to eat because I already feel like I messed up. And it's like, well, what are those things serving you? Like if I were to go out, like if I were to go out to eat and I were to order something, like I'd probably order, like, let's say like a, a veggie burger. And I'm like, all right, like I like veggie burgers. The veggie aspect of the burger, like that's going to serve me nutritionally. And then like, I love having a side of fries. So the side, the side of fries that would serve me like as my soul food but then I just have to look at the other things like is the bun something that I even look is that serving any aspect for me like is it serving me nutritionally Mm, probably not is it something I even look forward to as you know something I I enjoy Mm, not really so if it's not serving either of those points then why include it in my diet do you know what I mean Yeah. And, you know, I feel like there's times where I think that same way, like, you know what, this isn't really sitting well with what I want right now, but I'll still eat it. And I feel like it comes from maybe for me personally, it comes from, Hey, everyone else around me is eating it. I should probably eat it too. You know, I'll probably look like a weirdo if I order like a, like a lettuce wrapped burger from in and out, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to expect any comments from people like, why would you get that lettuce wrap burger? Like, just get a regular burger. But I feel like it just comes from making our voice louder in our head of what we feel is right for our body at that moment. Yes, exactly. We're, we are all individuals and we all have different wants and needs and we just need to just not listen to what everyone else has to say because at the end of the day, they're not the one who spends 100% of their life with you. Like the only person who spends 100% of their life with you is yourself. So you need to put yourself first. Yes, exactly. And even though it sounds kind of rude to just kind of ignore others, like how would you actually deal with someone telling you, don't eat this? don't eat that. Why are you eating that? Like, uh, like, wow, like you were hungry, right? Um, I feel like that's something that can be very hard to deal with. And I just think those comments shouldn't really come, shouldn't really happening in the, shouldn't be happening in the beginning in the first place. They shouldn't be happening. And I feel like that just comes from maybe spreading more compassion, more education, um, I just think maybe we might need to find different things to talk about besides food. Uh, But also, I think it also depends on the company that you have around you. Um, I think that those types of comments can be easy to maybe ignore on social media because you can kind of limit your access to different things and what you want to see and okay well if you're done seeing stuff on social media you tell yourself that's enough you can just put your phone away but how do you deal with those things in person when you have people maybe commenting on what you're eating or say for example actually my boyfriend right now sometimes he will say things like like you eat a lot and I'm you know I personally 
I've come to terms where I do eat a lot. Um, I feel like I, I do eat a lot, but for that same reason, I try to balance out what I eat. Specifically, I try to add a lot of veggies so that I get full fast. And, you know, that might just be my type of body composition. Um, I'm Polish and I feel like I'm, I'm half Polish and half Mexican. And I feel like on my Polish side of the family, my grandma, I kind of have the same type of body as my grandma. So I'm pretty thick all around, but it's pretty even. And I actually kind of have like a higher basal metabolic rate. So how many calories my body naturally needs for it to run normally. So I feel like I do tend to eat a little more than maybe the average person. But I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that. And I feel like I have come to terms where, you know, things like that come from, those comments come from, uh, I know he's always joking with me because we joke around all day. That's all we do. But also I have come to terms with myself where, you know, I do eat more than the average girl. I'm not a skinny girl. I like to eat. And I have also gone through years of trying to recover from a binge eating disorder. So I'm actually proud. I'm really proud of where I'm at. And I feel like nothing that anyone tells me can break me. And so I take those things like, well, I like to eat. So I don't see a problem with that. Yeah, I don't think we understand how much control and power that we actually have over ourselves. Like, you know, I mean, people tell me I eat a lot too, but people also tell me that I eat fast. So uh, I feel like there's two, there's, there's two approaches you can have to what people tell you. Like the first one is like, you can embrace it. Like I just embrace it now. Like, you know what? Yeah, I do eat fast. I don't know. It's just how I eat. I eat fast. It's how it is. Or like you're in control of like setting those boundaries. Because when people tell you, like make comments of like, oh, you eat a lot or oh, you eat fast or something like that. No one's doing it like to be like most of the time people aren't doing it to be mean. Like they're not trying to be harsh or malicious. Like they're just making a comment. And, you know, we have the power of saying, you know, I don't like when you say that or when you bring up food around me um, negatively. Like we have the power to say something and then they probably won't say it again. But, you know, we we have to decide, are we going to say something so it doesn't happen again? Are we going or are we going to ignore it and just not let it get to us? Like we have the power to decide how, how we want to absorb like these conversations with other people. We don't have to just sit around and just assume that people read our brain and know that we don't like it. Right. And, you know, I feel like those are, can be very hard conversations to have with people, you know, just, I feel like it can bring some shock out of those people that are saying those comments, like, oh my gosh, you know, it kind of makes them realize I didn't they didn't mean it that way, but it came off that way. And I feel like it can be a very hard conversation to have. I feel like even just speaking up for yourself on that topic and it can be, it can be tough. And sometimes it's a conversation you don't want to have. And sometimes you might avoid it and you might just ignore the comment 
because you don't want to have that conversation. But in reality, you can get the results or you can stop, you can get people to stop saying those comments by just having a simple conversation. It's a hard conversation to have, but once you do it, it's so easy to just keep it going and talk about how you want to be treated, what things you don't want to hear about what you're eating, what you're not eating. It is a very simple conversation to have. If you are talking to someone that might be pretty open-minded and is there to listen to your needs and your wants. So I actually had this conversation with my boyfriend and it went way better than I expected. So that's why whenever I might be eating a lot, it's something we can both laugh at. Like, yeah, I do eat a lot, you know? Like, I recognize that in myself. I do eat a lot, and I kind of make it something that we can both enjoy. And, you know, that also might stem from him not being used to girls that eat a lot. Yeah, that's that's so true. Like, we are the ones who, like, set our own boundaries. And the fact that, you know, you even had that, you know, conversation with your boyfriend, and you guys are able to laugh about it now. Because, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of girls... I feel like a lot of girls aren't like, like you said, everyone has a different metabolism and I feel like you and I are a little more active than like the typical girl who like doesn't lift. And like, you know, the more you lift, like the hungrier you are, <laughs> like you're just always hungry. Cause that's how I am. I remember I went on, um, I went on a trip with one of my really good friends for her 25th birthday. We went to Nashville, Tennessee, and there was a bunch of girls and, um, I just remember they could literally go all day without like eating. And I'm just like, dude, I am starving. Like I have to eat like every two to three hours. Like why haven't we gone out to eat? And then these girls will go out to eat and they won't even finish their plate. And I remember like, I'd finish my plate, dude. I was hungry. <laughs> and then of, yeah. course, of course there's a part of you that like, you know, a little self-conscious about it. Like I know I was, but then at, at the end of the day, I'm like, whatever, like this is my body my food, my fuel. Most of the time people aren't even looking at my plate. They're too worried looking at their own plate. And you know, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I I lift, I work out. I would get up early in the morning at the hotel in Nashville to go get my lift on. So of course that I was way hungrier than them. Right. Especially if you're burning that many calories in the morning when you lift, I feel like you burn more calories and your body ends up a lot hungrier than if you were to do cardio. Um, and I feel like, you know, if your body needs to feel, you need to listen to your body. And if you feel like you personally need to eat like every two, three hours, then that's completely normal for you. And, you know, other people shouldn't be telling you anything about how you're eating, you know, because you know what's good for you. Yeah. And everyone's different. I know some people who like prefer to have just three bigger meals during the day and other people who prefer to have like five to six smaller meals. Like everyone has their different prefer different preferences. Right. You know, and like, for example, me, I have been eating pretty big meals, but it's because I have only been eating maybe, for some reason, this quarantine just really messed me up. And I've only been eating like maybe two, three times a day. 
but my meals can count for like two people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yeah, trust me, this quarantine has definitely messed up my eating schedule too, because it's so different when you're just in the house, you know, just, it's not the same. You're not like as busy. I mean, I definitely try to keep myself busy and I even work my like workout schedule around that. Like I know that like during the morning and daytime, you know, I have stuff to do. I, you know, I eat my oatmeal, I have my protein coffee and I know that I struggle more with wanting to snack and, and eat and have cravings around like four to 6 PM. So that's when I do choose to go to the gym and then I come back and I'll be able to have my dinner and my dessert. And, you know, that's just what works for me. That's something that I've found through trial and error of what works best for me. Right. And I feel like that's something most people should follow. People should follow trial and error and just what works for them. You know, if you're the type of person that if you're out and about and you need a snack every two to three hours, like me, you know, you can always carry something in your bag and that's totally fine. Yeah, I think a lot of people just don't like the trial and error aspect. They just want to be able to find something that works and then, you know, stick to it. But that's that's just not how it is. Like you really have to find out what works for you. And if you do something and it doesn't work for you, like you you shouldn't be bummed about it. You should, like it's still a win because you you found out something that you don't want to implement into your lifestyle. Right. And I think that's important that it's still a win that you know what doesn't work for you because you're closer to finding what does work for you. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm curious because you have, you know, this education in dietetics and nutrition. What do you think the top myths are in nutrition? Okay, so something that I hear all the time is carbs are bad for you. So carbs are actually really good for you and your body needs them. So our brain actually needs carbohydrates to even work. Um, And when we don't have carbohydrates, it won't work the same. Carbohydrates are important for so many aspects because they're the body's main source of fuel. That's what we use primarily to go about our day, to walk, to breathe. Um, Obviously, the body burns fuel differently throughout the day, depending on what activities we're doing. And it also depends on just your body type, you know, and that's actually just really hard. That's actually really hard to learn. Um, I would actually have to dive into maybe like nutritional genomics, where, you know, depending on your genetics, you can figure out how your body burns fuel throughout the day, whether it's burning carbohydrates or whether it needs more protein or it burns more fat. So, you know, a general rule is that when we're doing any type of cardio, we're mainly burning carbohydrates. I believe it's for about the first 30 minutes. And then after 30 minutes of intense cardio is when we start depleting our glycogen stores from our liver and then we start going into our fat stores as fuel. So carbohydrates are needed more than any other nutrient. Um, our diet should be about 40 to 45 to 65% of carbohydrates. Um, our brain needs them for fuel. 
another really important um, role of carbohydrates in our body is that after we do exercise, we lift, we do cardio, our muscles are depleted of glycogen. So we deplete our glycogen stores. So that means we pretty much have no carbohydrates, no energy in our body. Um, and so for our, for our muscles to recover, we actually still need more carbohydrates. So that way, while our body is busy putting in work to fix the muscle strands that we destroyed in the gym by lifting weight. So when we eat protein and have carbohydrates in our meal, then we are using the carbohydrates to put the protein in our muscles. But when we don't have carbohydrates in our meal, like say post-workout, we use protein as part of the fuel to put protein in our muscles for recovery. And you can see it as you either need carbohydrates or you need double the amount of protein, um, which I wouldn't recommend because then that just means you have protein protein products that are excreted like so you have extra nitrogen in your body and your kidneys work harder to excrete that so it's kind of you can go the route where maybe for a while you're doing more protein and less carbohydrates but essentially the body still needs carbohydrates to recover so that's why it's important to have a balanced meal so that you have your carbohydrates, your proteins, your fats, so that you are getting all the nutrients that you need. So fat is actually really important. You know, obviously we don't want to overdo the fat because it is very high in calories, but you know, if you're monitoring your intake, it's still important to have fats because when we have fats in our meals, it can help digest, it helps digest um, and absorb, it helps absorb fat-soluble vitamins in our body. So say vitamins A, D, E, and K, those are all fat-soluble. So if you don't have fat in your food, you're not going to be absorbing those vitamins. So overall, you just you need a balanced diet. You need to have your carbohydrates, your proteins, your fats in your meals. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a red flag for any like fad diet that says like you should take out a whole macronutrient, you know, like keto, mm -hmm. like when you take out carbs or, you know, the low fat diet, how you shouldn't, you know, eat fat. Because like you said, all of these macronutrients, whether it's fat, carbs or protein, like they all have a purpose for our body and to help our body function. So why would you want to, you know, take out a whole macronutrient? Exactly. And that also leads to restriction. And then over time, that leads to binging. So that is why fad diets don't work. You're cutting out a food group or a macronutrient from your diet for so long that when you finally have access to it again, you're going to want to have all of it. You're going to want all the carbs. 
every single one out there. You're going to want pizza. You're going to want Olive Garden breadsticks. You know, you're just going to want all of them. You're going to keep asking for baskets of them. You're going to end up eating a whole box to yourself. And that is why fat diets don't work. After you're restricting for so long, you're going to go back to those foods, you know, even if it's something you choose not to buy, people around you are still going to want to eat those things at some point it's going to be around you it's going to be in front of you say a birthday party any gathering an office meeting you know they're going to put those donuts in front of you and you're going to want to eat all of them yeah because once you tell your body no you know you want it like twice as bad versus if you know that you can have it and you're you have the power to decide if you are going to have it or not Exactly. And I think it all comes with just kind of having like a balance of what you're putting into your body, you know, restricting is the worst thing to do. So, you know, just enjoying a donut or a slice of pizza every once in a while won't be harmful to you. But what will be harmful is if you restrict for a very long period of time. Yes. Amen to that. So true. So for those who are listening stop restricting stop just trying to do a fad diet because it is it's just not a healthy lifestyle um so i want to say thank you so much for sharing you know just this little smidget of of all your knowledge that you have and i really look forward to doing more episodes with you in the future because i feel like we can we just have so much more to talk about like we barely even cracked this open but um for those who want to follow you where should where can they follow you um, my Instagram is at Gabs Gains and Grubs. Okay, awesome. Yeah. I will link. I will link that in the show notes so yes. people can look <laughs> and they can follow you. Thank you so much, Miranda. Thank you for having me today. What a great episode! I really enjoyed talking to Gabby. We're already talking about doing a part two in the future, so that will definitely be happening. Um, it was just so interesting that me and Gabby were both going through a very similar eating disorder during the same time and that we had no idea. So if you do struggle with an eating disorder, just know that you are not alone and please, please just get comfortable with reaching out and asking for help. There are so many resources out there that can help you if you are struggling with your relationship with food. Um, It could be a therapist. It could be a registered dietitian like Gabby, or it could be a health coach like me who specializes in healing um, your relationship with food. If you have any questions um, or you just want to reach out, you can you can message Gabby. Her Instagram is in the show notes, or you can reach out to me on Instagram at this is Miranda Lee. If you like this podcast, please make sure to like and subscribe, and I will see you in the next episode. Oh, my God.